0: Namo etasa bhagavatu varatua sammasambhutasa Namo etasa bhagavatu varatua sammasambhutasa Namo etasa bhagavatu varatua sammasambhutasa Bhutan damang sangang Today, the 15th fifteenth of January, the Dharma Punks in Colorado Springs, and we're at Chance house. And I thought to talk about working with fear tonight. Some of you know my personal circumstances, maybe some of you don't. I was living here in uh, a little hermitage up off of Columbia Avenue on the other side of the Garden of the Gods, and I left, and uh, the punks decided they were going to help the owner continue to renovate it for me, because they were sure I was coming back. I wasn't sure, but they were sure I was coming back. And so all of these months, um, every month there's been a service day, and people have gathered um, from different groups, this group, the one in Denver, some of the people in Fort Collins, to help with the renovations of that little hermitage. And I've been on a journey and been in different places and have seen a lot of different things and came to clarity that it would be really the best thing in the whole world if I came to the Colorado Springs and moved back into the Hermitage and settled here for a few years. So it was my intention to come back for a few years. And meanwhile, the groups um, have done quite a bit to get a little bit more organized. And Scott and others have put together this website and get people on it so that it can help support. So living as an alms mendicant, which is what I am, I live on um, generosity of others. So, you know, normal people, they can go to the refrigerator and take food out and cook and help themselves. I can't. So the food has to be offered to me before I can warm it up and I'm not supposed to cook. And I don't handle money and I haven't for 20 years. So it means that, you know, somebody can offer funds, but I don't have any mechanism myself of being able to go to the store and buy food. So the basic things, you know, is requires input from other people in order to, in order to eat and uh, those kinds of things. So living and traveling in, in the United States where this is not a country that's based on alms mendicancy, there's been many opportunities for me to look at desire and fear you know, the fear of not having my needs met. And then not long ago, at the end of October, I was at another monastery, and they have mold problems there, and for some reason, which I don't quite understand, my system just goes completely skittly wampus around mold. And so I was not feeling very well afterwards, and then it took me a little a little while to just realize that I was sensitive to everything that normal people are not sensitive to. Soap, cream, shampoo, conditioner, car fumes that are 100 feet away, cigarette smoke that's 200 feet away. It's like really sensitive. And it's not just that I can feel it. It feels like, like somebody's slapping me in the face or smacking me in the face. It's not just like I sense it. It feels like I'm being assaulted. So navigating this with meditation practice is very interesting because my body is going into a state of saying there's really danger here there's absolutely danger here this is absolutely not okay and I have to navigate each situation I'm in is to decide how do I, how do I deal with that and you know I didn't know what was going on until um, I was staying in some very lovely people's house punks, a family they had invited me into their house, he, his family house. And I wasn't feeling well, and I didn't understand what was happening. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then somebody had invited me to go outside, so I was outside for a three-hour period of time. And when you're outside and you're breathing fresh air, you have a little bit of an opportunity to get some contrast, to detox a little bit. And then when I came back into the house, all I did was I opened the door and I stepped over the threshold of the door, just the door, and immediately my eyes burned and my throat burned and my lungs started burning. And so I knew i got to get out of the house. I don't know what it is, but i got to get out of the house. So in that situation, it was clear. The situation was not something I could navigate and I had to leave it, okay? So I left, and I went to another person's house. And that house was an old wooden house, and it was lovely. I wasn't having any activation. But so far, every house I've been into, you know, and I've been in many since then, I think maybe 20 different places. You know, there was just one house that was completely chemical neutral for me, you know. You know, so one night I got into sheets, and they had fabric softener in them. And it felt like I just crossed a field of machine gun fire. I mean, my system was like in absolute total red alert. So I recognized that I needed to take the sheets off, and I put them in a plastic bag, and I stuck them in a drawer, and I figured out another kind of something so that I would be okay in the bed. And then I had to respond to my nervous system that was agitated. And so I know energetically how to calm my nervous system down with using different kinds of points, but mentally I had to keep saying to myself, "I'm going to be okay. It's not dangerous here. It's actually safe. Okay, it's okay." So my body was reacting as if the fear was still present, and something life-threatening had just happened. I was in cheats <laughs> The fabric softener on the But my nervous system was responding as if this was of primary danger, and I was at mortal risk, you know? So I was having to use my own discernment to to navigate the reality of the situation and walk and talk myself through it, because I was totally freaked out, you know? So one of the things about meditation is is that one is able to begin to learn how to be with what is and respond in a way which is skillful. So when there's fear, one needs to learn how to differentiate between actual danger and perceived danger. So my body was responding as if it was actual danger. And I could tell that once I had taken the sheets and put them in a plastic bag and put them in a way, that I was dealing with perceived danger. I was no longer at risk, even though my body hadn't yet relaxed. So it hadn't gotten it yet that I was okay. It was still like, you know, danger, danger, danger. This is really scary. Get out of here, you know. And so I needed to use my mind, my mental faculties to be able to To stay with what was happening, and work with my breath, and do the energetic points that I knew, so that my system would begin to calm down, and I would feel more settled. Now, as it turned out, it was a rough night, and the time when I actually got it, that I was okay, was when I got on the bike and I went out to the rocks, and I sat against the rocks, and when I sat against the rocks, my whole system then, for the first time, really unwound and and felt relaxed. I was working with it, but I hadn't gotten it. It's like the message hadn't sunk through. So, you know, fear is very compelling stuff. And all of us experience it. You know, we all experience fear. And we can experience fear for all kinds of reasons. You know, it can be About um, not getting our needs met, or losing something that we want, or afraid that somebody's going to think about badly about us, or that we're not going to do well in school, or that we're going to not keep our job, or we're not going to have money to eat, or you know all those kinds of things. So fear, fear um, can come for many different reasons, but the kind of underlying fear, there's a fear of either ego death or there's a fear of physical death. You know, there's a fear of being publicly shamed or humiliated, or losing a friend. A situation that will allow us to experience an emotional kind of grief, or there's a fear that's connected to our physical sense of health and safety. And you know, and unless we have perspective on how to work with that, then we are at the mercy of our nervous system. So if we don't have any other reference point, if we don't have anything other than the signals that we're getting from our impulses, then, you know, if all's I had what was happening after the fabric softener and the sheets, you know, I, I, I could have been completely convinced that I was going to die. <laughs> I mean it sounds ludicrous but that's actually what happens when your system is sensitive like this is, is that it feels completely dangerous you know All right so there needs to be the ability to have awareness that can rest someplace that is not reacting to external stimuli and that's why refuge is so incredibly important and understanding meditation and understanding awareness because with understanding awareness there's the ability to know that what is aware of fear is not the same as fear itself okay what is aware of fear is not fear so like a mirror can reflect things you know a mirror can reflect a flower it can reflect a frog, it can reflect a pile of poo, you know. The mirror is not affected by what it reflects. It's not the same as what it's reflecting. That quality of our mind, which is knowing an object of mind, is not the same as the object that is known. Okay? Now this might sound like semantic mumbo-jumbo, but what it is, is a crowbar that is huge and very very important because fear is absolutely compelling and the system is like I gotta get out of here you know I gotta do something it's urgent it's catastrophic and I gotta work with it and respond to it immediately but if there's awareness then the awareness is able to understand fear as fear and then the cognition is able to discern What's the difference between actual and perceived fear? Okay? So I got it, you know. The sheets had something that wasn't okay. I needed to do something. You know, I got it. So I did something. So they were no longer, they were no longer triggering. But then the perceived fear continued. And then I needed to continue to work with the perceived fear in a way where I was allowing my system to relax and to soften and to unwind and to trust and to know that the situation was okay. Because the signals were keep going on. It's not okay. It's not safe. It's not okay. It's not safe. So this is where discernment comes in. And discernment comes in based on being able to know the difference between the impulses that one is registering and the ability to look and see at what's happening around. You know, what has caused this? Where are we at now? And what's going on? All right. Now, different people get gripped by fear for different reasons. And one of the things which I find fascinating in this whole journey, absolutely fascinating, is that when I get dosed with chemicals, my anxiety levels go through the roof. So it's not only that I am responding to the impact of experiencing the chemicals, the chemicals are changing my capacity to perceive things. They are changing my mind states. Okay? Do you understand that? Do you understand what I mean? So, and when I detox when i get some air when i get on the bike when i sweat when i go lie on the rocks and the detox releases some of the of the of the level the anxiety levels drop immediately so it's not just a nerve impulse to danger it's a chemical change as a result of the toxicity itself and with that the discernment that you need is the hell out of a dodge and get on your bike and get some of this stuff out of your system you know just get out of here because your your whole mind system is 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 contorted by the the, the chemicals in it all right so discernment needs to operate and it needs to operate in different ways in different circumstances and to understand the difference between toxicity and and perception and actual danger. Yeah. Now, you know, I've been meditating for many years now, and so I have some experience with this. My body is very sensitive. I've been through some weird things. I have some ability to know the difference between what's the difference between anxiety, which is toxic-related, and anxiety, which is circumstantially related or emotionally related. Yeah. So it's not helpful to try and negotiate anxiety, which is toxic-related, on an emotional level. Not helpful. You need to detox. But for me, you know, so the basis is coming back to refuge. Now, obviously, you know, being an alms mendicant, I was so looking forward to coming back here. I was so looking forward to coming back here. And I love that little hermitage. And it has been renovated. It is so beautiful. I don't know that I have ever been in a place that is so beautiful. I mean, I've never lived in a place that's as beautiful as that. I was so looking forward to it. I come in, and I'm completely blasted, and it's like, there's just no way. I can't. There's just no way. I mean, it's just impossible. And so then, now what? All right? Where do I live? How is this going to work? I'm going to be okay. You know, know, what's going to happen to the hermitage? What's going to happen to me? And so then the thoughts start getting activated. And then the thoughts can then grab hold of other kinds of fears and then run riot. Okay? They can absolutely run riot and so what's really important is to recognize that there's a questioning process there's uncertainty I don't have the answers yet but every time the thinking starts to spin out to bring it back into what's actually happening right now well what's happening right now is I don't know and I feel a little anxious okay that's what's happening right now I'm concerned about myself I'm concerned about everybody else I want to know how it's going to work out for Ferg people have been working really really hard to make this happen you know to get it together, you know, how do I do this in a way which is honoring and graceful for everybody, and how do I do this in a way which is the most supportive for my own health? What's needed here? And I don't have the answer. So I'm sitting with, like, a large, complicated circumstance. There's my health that's involved, there's many people that is involved, and I don't have the answer. I don't know, you know. And not knowing is one of the things that as human beings we absolutely despise not knowing. We would prefer to know something miserable than to not know. I mean, we hate not knowing with an absolute vengeance. Like, to the core. But there's times when we just simply don't know. And so again, one has to relax in the uncertainty of not knowing how this is going to work out. And be with the various kinds of physical and emotional feelings that arise as they arise. You know, what do I need to do? Well, I need housing for now, I need food for now, okay, I've got that. I've got enough clothes for now. Okay, so the basic things I've got for now. So the thing about fear which is so fascinating, it's about the future, it's not about now. It's about what's going to happen to Ferg in the future, what's going to happen to me in the future, what's going to happen to the groups in the future. You know, right now I'm okay. I've got food, I've got shelter, I've got clothes, I've got a bath, I've got a toilet. You know, it's okay. You know, I've got a doctor's appointment. I'm okay right now. It's not about right now. It's about what's going to happen next week and the next week and how is this going to be lasting and how am I going to sustain this and how is it going to be, you know. So we need to come back and tell what's actually happening right now. And what do I need to deal with right now? And how do I work with right now in a way which is easeful and peaceful and supportive? Supportive of my own needs, supportive of everybody else's needs, supportive of the situation here, what's needed. You know. So, okay, well, I need to tell people what I know. I need to tell people what I don't know. That's what's needed. Well, I can do that. <laughs> And people can tell me what they know and they can tell me what they don't know they can also do that you know so this big huge scary monster then becomes something that's a task that i can navigate and then i can get on the internet and ask some questions and ask other people who know and i can talk to the three friends that i know who've had to live with this nightmare for many years and ask them what they know and so you know then people who know have a huge resource i can plug into the resource i don't have to do everything from scratch And so all of a sudden, you know, this sense of, like, I'm in something that's a nightmare, I have no idea. Is there's, you know, there's information, there's links, there's resources, there's community, there's people who have ideas, and there's stuff to figure out, you know. And all right, so there's still decisions about, well, now what do we do with all this information? Because you've got conflicting information. But the fear level is not there. The fear is not there. What's there is the sense of there's a bunch of information that needs to be navigated and I don't yet know the answers to it. I don't have to make all the decisions myself. But here it is. Let's share it and let's see what people are thinking. Okay? Let's see what we can look at. So, you know, I can see that, you know, one of the things that really helpful is having really good food, having exercise, and being outside and being on those rocks. Okay? And navigating what's happening with my fear levels. Okay, being very careful with that. And so, you know, each of us can find our own ways of working with the stuff that arises for us in ways that's applicable to our own circumstances. And there are times when, you know, maybe if you hadn't had many, many, many years of meditation, if something like this comes up, you need to talk to somebody who can help because it just feels totally overwhelming. You know, it's like, how on earth do I figure this out for myself? And so, you know, one of the reasons why a group like this can be so supportive is because people can go to each other and say, Listen, you know, this is the deal. This is what I'm navigating, and I feel totally out of my depth. You know, what do you think? Or who do you know? Or how do you work with this with meditation? How do I relax when I feel like I've just gone through a, a field of open machine gun fire? You know? What do, how do I do that in meditation? What does that look like? You know? So, you know... And so the community can then learn how to support each other so that everybody doesn't feel like they have to figure everything out on their own. And the resources that one person has, they can share with another. And, you know, I can feel like, well, I'm part of a whole whole network of people who are having to navigate this. Which just like, oh my God. There are lots of people living in tents because they can't find housing that they can live in. The same thing, you know, it's like, it's like, you've got to be joking I'm not joking (laughs) and then you don't know until you know until you're close to somebody who's dealing with this it's like who had ever heard of this stuff before you know it's like how on earth you know how could this stuff happen so you know here we are and everyone's doing the best (coughs) that they can and isn't it wonderful and look at the goodwill and the generosity and the kindness and the care that's present it's just extraordinary you know Everybody wants to do the best. You know, it's so extraordinary. You know, just so extraordinary. So I thought, well, this is way out of my depth to sort out by myself. So I just plastered all over the Facebook groups, "Listen, I'm in this deal and this is what we can do to help. You know, send metta, send light." And so this morning I woke up and I was up early. I think I was up at 3 o'clock this morning and I was doing meditation for an hour and a half and I was doing Tonglen meditation. And Tonglen meditation is a particular kind of loving-kindness meditation that they use in the Tibetan tradition and I happened upon it in the early years of my own monastic life. I was depressed, very depressed, and I couldn't pull myself out of it. All of my magic wands were not working. And so I just intuitively decided that I was going to take on the depression of the whole world don't ask me why I thought this but I thought I was just imaginatively going to do that just take it all on hook line and sinker and what I found was is that because one of the things that was keeping the depression locked in place was the resistance to it and so when I imaginatively took on the depression of the world, it went right to the resistance to feeling depressed. And it dissolved the resistance. And as it dissolved the resistance, what was holding the depression in place began to loosen. And that cleared me of this depression that I couldn't shift. Tonglen is a very powerful practice that you can use. And it's a way of imagining that you're breathing in exactly the thing that you don't want so what I was doing was I was breathing in the poisons and you don't breathe them in so that you get lung cancer, you breathe them in and it turns into a particular kind of solvent and this solvent dissolves the illusion that keeps you from resting in all pervasive awareness, all pervasive love, all pervasive unconditional clarity and peace Okay, So, one is doing it for a very particular purpose. One breathes in something which is unwanted, turns it into something which dissolves the membrane or illusion or delusion that keeps you separate from your essential radiant pure awakened mind, and then sends out everything that you have that you cherish. Your health, your love, your light, your friends. Everything that you have going for you, you give it away. Okay? So I was doing that with the toxicity in my own body. I was doing it with the toxicity in the hermitage. I was doing it with the toxicity in the earth. Breathing it in. Turning into the stuff which is dissolving that which keeps me from resting in awareness. And sending out everything that I value and cherish. I felt great afterwards. Wonderful. Light, clear, radiant, happy, healthy. And so I just plastered all over the place. You know, if anyone wants to join me in doing this, let's do this. I mean, I don't know if it's going to help, but it certainly isn't going to hurt. But I know when people focus their minds and their intention, something powerful can happen. So I just, before everyone sat down, I got an email from my friend in Barbara, who's in John of God in the Casa of Brazil. And she's going to do it with the group of people she's there with. And she's going to do it also with, she's got a group of people who are doing some kind of special meditation practice. So she sent an email out to them to help with this. Okay? And so it's like, all right, I'm in something that's over my head. You know, I don't have a magic wand to go voop-voop, but I know how to practice with it. And let's practice with it. And meanwhile, I'm still doing research on what kind of sealants and what kind of air purifiers and what kind of time sequences and what kind of temperature to bake it out and how many days you air it out. So you get the practical things sorted. You get the the application things sorted. You get the meditation sorted. And you don't mix them all up. So you don't think that meditation is the only thing that we need in order to sort out everything that's happening in our physical body. You know, I'm going to a doctors. We've got the diet happening, getting exercise. But when you have those things in place, then you can work with things on a mental level and on an energetic level. Okay? But, like, it doesn't make any sense if you break your arm for people to say, oh, go to the monastery and chant. You know, first you go to the hospital, then you get a cast. Then you go to the monastery and chant. Okay? you got to do it in the right sequence, otherwise people think you're a nutcase. You know so first you got to get the physical thing sorted in a physical way you got to deal with it at at the level that it's at and once you've done that then you can work with it at other levels and see what happens so I don't know still what the outcome is going to be but what I feel really happy about is, is is that when I feel grounded and open and trusting and like I'm able to include other people in a process and that, you know, we're in this together and we're growing and loving and taking care of each other in it together, then I feel like, okay, no matter what happens, this is okay, you know? I don't have a sense of what the outcome is yet, you know, whether I'm going to be able to move in there or not. You know, I just feel incredibly sad about the possibility that I can't move in there. I don't know yet. But I can't close the door that that might not be something that I have to accept, you know. But we're not there yet. We haven't come to that bridge yet, you know, to make that conclusion. And so we're just taking it one step at a time and see if we can navigate it so that the best possible chance is is that I can move in. And here we all are. I mean, does any of us have certainty from one day to the next what it's going to look like, you know? We don't. We just live with this phenomenal delusion that we do. You know. We don't have a clue from one day to the next. We just operate under the habit that it's going to be the same because it was the same yesterday. So here we are, you know, alive and open and sensitive and responsive and being present to what is. And what more can we do? You know. What more can we do? and that's what meditation is about and that's what it's for to help us so that we can be open alive and responsive to what is it's not some kind of airy fairy fantasy where we shoot out through the seven chakras and go you know astral traveling it's not that you know it's about being here and being responsive to what's going on now It's not about shutting out certain experiences in order to have specialized experiences. It's about being able to respond to what's going on. That's what meditation is about. So enough of me. and Let's stop and have some tea and um, come back and have a conversation.